Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Someone once said this, a man's greatest mistake lies not in his abuse of riches, but in his ignorance of the riches he possesses. Our mistake is not the abuse of riches, it's our ignorance of the riches we actually have. And a famous story that's been repeated so many times, but is so powerful, is the story of Ira and Ann Yates. They bought a ranch in West Texas, and they struggled to pay the mortgage. Uh, they call it a mortgage there, the bond. They struggled to pay their land and, and, uh, and taxes on the farm for many, many years. And then he suddenly, uh, Ira got an inspiration and he thought, you know what, there might be oil on my land. So in 1920, he called a man called Levi Smith and he drilled an exploratory well. Well, that well hit oil and uh, then five wells were drilled and 112,000 barrels of oil came out of the ground, which sounds a lot, five wells, 112,000 barrels, but actually, uh, they became millionaires, by the way. They, they didn't realize what was under the ground. They were living in poverty, but there were riches right under their feet. Well, this place went on to become one of the biggest oil wells in the world. It's the si half the size of Edinburgh, 120 square kilometer, kilometers under the ground, known as Yates Pool, and 200 wells were eventually drilled, yielding 5 million barrels of oil, which is half the production of the entire United States. And there they were living, not paying their taxes, and not being able to survive when there was this pool of oil underneath their feet. You know, they hadn't tapped into what was there. And I've discovered that as Christians, we have at our feet, or at our heads if you like, heaven's riches, God's blessing, but we haven't tapped into it or understood it. And we need to believe it, we need to sink a well if you like, into God's blessing and trust Him for it today, no matter what we're experiencing. And I wanna to speak to you today about how to live in the blessing of God. How to live in the blessing of God, because it's not automatic. And uh, there's a great danger right now of us allowing the times to determine what we believe, to determine the level of our faith. We're living in troubling times, what, what, what I would call fracturing times. People's faith has been fractured, shattered, and now they're changing the way they believe. You know, I did believe in blessing, but now that there's COVID and there's recessionary times, I'm not so sure if that's the truth. We've got to be careful we don't reduce our faith down to the level of our experience, but we're going to lift our experience up to the level of the Word of God. And we say, I still believe in the blessing of the Lord. Don't allow lack and hardship and trouble to define your faith. There's a pastor in the States who I enjoy, and uh, his name is Mark Batterson, and he's in Washington, D.C., and he said this about our experiences. He said, if you let your circumstances define the way you see God, you're a prisoner of perspective. But if you let God define the way you see your circumstances, you are a prisoner of hope. We are not prisoners of circumstance. We are prisoners of hope. And today we will not let our experiences define us, 
We will let the Word of God define what it is we actually believe. Now, I want to give you five definitions of blessing, and I'm going to go into just a little bit of, of, of this detail here. Then I'll give you five ways we can live in the blessing of God. And the reason I'm defining blessing is because people have, have spoken against this. And, uh, and, and no longer do we believe in blessing. Oh, you're one of those prosperity churches. No, we're one of those Bible churches. And we know the nature of God. You know, it's almost like people say, you're a prosperity church as if God's mean. And you're telling them he's kind. No, God is a God of blessing. And you know, in the old days, the Franciscan monks, St. Francis of Assisi, his monks used to go around blessing animals. But when I read the Bible, there's no blessing of animals or cars or houses or ships. There's only God blessing people. And I want to give you five definitions of blessing quickly. Number one, the Bible describes blessing like this. It is personal love and goodwill from God to us. God has got personal love and goodwill from, from him to us. And bear in mind, when God created Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 1, it says, and he blessed them. He didn't just go, omnipotrous, my children. Oh, thank you for that. That's meaningless. No, he blessed them. He spoke over them favor and goodwill. Number two, to invoke divine favor. When you read about blessing, it means divine favor is heading to us, spiritually and materially, not just spiritually. Read the book of Ephesians, and we'll quote from it a little bit later. Number three, to confer well-being or prosperity on. God confers well-being. We feel good. We feel blessed. But then also, he confers prosperity on us. Even in difficult times, he gives us something above the normal. Number five, to, uh, number four, to endow with a talent. You know, people say, you, 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 when you're gifted, you're blessed. So you can receive a talent at birth, like playing the piano or playing the trumpet or whatever. You're being an artist. That's it. That's, you're blessed with that. That came from heaven. Or it can come into your life as an opportunity. Man, I opened a business and I'm blessed. God blessed you with an opportunity. Didn't come at birth, but he gave it later. And then lastly, this is important. Number five, to bestow good usually related to the material. When the Bible speaks of blessing, it is usually related to the material. People have turned it into something else, but actually when God speaks of blessing, it's usually possessions, money, or property. And if you don't have possessions, money, or property, God wants to bless you with them. Not so that you can be self-indulgent and full of pride and boastful. No, so that you can be a blessing. Because blessing is not just given for the sake of us, it's given for the sake of God using us as a channel. And you know, the, the word throughout the English language is very interesting. I don't have time to, uh, to, to go into it all, but the, the Hebrew word baruch is in English, the word blessing, which comes from the old English, 950 AD English, which means to speak well of. And, uh, and to wish well. So when, when God blessed his children and blessed Adam and Eve, he spoke well, but it's not just speaking. Not just, oh, bless you. Bless your dear heart. No, it means something will follow these words. And uh, in, it's interesting, the word blessing in German, blitzen or blutzen, means you're blood marked. That's why you're blessed. Interesting how words have got encapsulated in them truth of scripture. Because of Jesus, we are blood marked, blessed, so we can be a blessing. I remember when uh, the 
the Bible records in Genesis 12 that God told Abraham that he would bless him. And, uh, and I want to read this here because it's so important to see how blessing comes. In Genesis 12 and verse 1, it says, notice this, the Lord had said to Abraham. You don't actually read of it. It's clear that God had said, but it's not in the scripture. He had said, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Abraham didn't go, what's that? Oh, that's nice. He knew it meant material. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Good was spoken over him. He knew it would result in the material. And God said, I'm not just going to give it to you, but I'm going to give it to others through you. So trust me for it. We need to be children of Abraham and know how to live in the blessing of God. Uh, Warren Wearsby, the late great uh, Baptist preacher, written a number of good books. He says, God doesn't bless us just to make us happy. He blesses us to make us a blessing. And here's the thing about blessing. It's not automatic. It doesn't just come into your life. You've almost got to chase it like Jacob did. Jacob chased the blessing. He wrestled with the man. He said, bless me. And then finally the man blessed him. And blessing is promised by God, but you've got to tap into it. You've got to lay hold of it. You've got to believe it. It takes an act of exercise. And uh, Jacob, when he defeated the Amorites, he had a blessing that he could pass on to Joseph. You remember the end of the book of Genesis? He, he blesses Joseph and gives him an inheritance that he chased after and won. And Joseph inherits tangible substance because Jacob fought for the blessing. We need to fight for blessing. So we've got something to leave our kids and our grandkids. Because Jacob not only blessed Joseph, he blessed Joseph's children. Listen to this. He laid his hands on their heads. And you know where blessing starts? In your head. You've got to know it and believe it, and then it goes into your heart, then it becomes your experience. That's why Jesus laid his hands on children and blessed them. You know, bless your dear heart, you dear thing. He spoke over them so that they would know that this is God's intention, so that they would trust him for it, so that they would receive it, so that it would be used to bless others. We can't change our world just with words and trite sayings and Instagram and Twitter, we change it by money. We give substance and we receive blessing and we give blessing. I thank God that Rivers Church across our campuses is blessed and that our people understand blessing and that are they, they begin to walk in it and not reject it because it's a source of life change to many, many people. Augustine said this and I think this is a powerful truth. He said, God is more anxious to bestow his blessings on us than we are to receive them. I think you would agree with that. So let me give you five things here, five ways that we can live in the blessing of God. They might seem simple today, but they are quite profound, and the scripture speaks of them. Number one, we need to know how much God loves us and wants to bless us. You must study the scriptures and know God loves me and he wants to bless me. He wants to do us good, even if you're experiencing bad right now, God's intention is still to do you good, to lift your life, to help you. And he delights in us. Do you believe that today? There's so many people who, who, who say, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. And uh, there's a man by the name of R.M. Harrington. He's a Christian author. Spent three years in prison. 
gave his life to Christ, had a dramatic conversion. And I love what he says. He says, to deny that God seeks to bless his people is to envisage a God who ignores his own recorded words. How can we say that God doesn't want to bless? We need to know that God wants to bless and we need to know that God loves us. Do you know that you're loved by God today? You belong to him. You, you know, just in your makeup, just in, think of your human body. Why did he give us five senses? To bless us. You could put something in your mouth. You know, mm, mm. And I love doing this. I like eating those licorice things with the salt in them. Because they like confuse you. It's like, mm, is this sweet or is this salty? Do, do any, does anybody do this when they're really backslidden? You eat chips and chocolate. God's given us these, he's, he's made us sexual beings. Why? Not, not, not made us sexual beings. Now don't do it. No, he's given us pleasure within confines. Why? Because he's blessed us. We don't just exist like animals grazing. I know some people do. They just graze all day long. No, no, we, we can enjoy food. Master chef on TV is amazing. Why? Because we, we've been blessed. God loves us and he wants to bless us and he's made us blessed human beings. And you know, when you get saved, you're even more blessed. Let me remind you here of the book of Ephesians, where it talks about what we were, and now he saved us, and who we are now. We're blessed people. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 in the Living Bible. And the Living Bible, can I just say this? The Living Bible is a very, very sound translation, and uh, years and years of study went into it, and it's very accurate in that it's very close to the original language, that's why I don't always endorse the message, because the message is a paraphrase, it's not a translation. But the Living Bible is a translation in easy English. Just a little interjection, just a little bit in parenthesis. Let's read it. It says, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed, you know, we were dead, doomed, and dominated. Before you become a Christian, you're dead in sin, you're doomed for destruction, and you're dominated by the devil. And he says here, by our sins, he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. Only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved and lifted us up from the grave into glory along with Christ where we sit with him in the heavenly realms. All because of what Christ Jesus did. And now God can always point to us as examples of how very, very rich his kindness is as shown in all he has done for us through Jesus Christ. He hasn't raised you and seated you in heavenly places. Now sit there and be content with nothing. Be glad I saved you. No, he raised us up that we might enjoy, as Paul says, the riches of his glory that God will meet our needs with, he says in Philippians chapter 4. And you know, if you just think of the whole Bible, the whole Bible is about God's love and God's goodness. Just take John 3, 16, God so loved that he gave. You know, you can, you, can, you can take the whole Bible away and just that is enough to show the character of God. He gave us heaven's best and he wants to bless us. The problem is not God's blessing, it's our inability to receive it. I love what uh, Andrina Sawyer, she's a Christian author and a businesswoman, she says this, she says, we don't have a blessing shortage, we have a capacity crisis. There's not a shortage of heaven's blessing, it's us who can't receive it and contain it, especially when we have bad experiences. We need to know that we serve a God who loves us, 
and wants to bless us. Just think of who God is if you go out at night and look up into the sky and you look at the planets, you look at the moon, even in the daytime you look at the sun, you look at how mighty God is and then guess what? He uses the sun to ripen a bunch of grapes so that you and I can enjoy grape juice or if you like you can enjoy some wine because God is a God of blessing. His might is not just there for might's sake, it's there for blessing's sake. And we need to receive it and believe it. If you don't, you won't receive it. It's available, but you won't receive it. Many of you have heard the famous story, and it's worth repeating, of the great explorer, Eric Shipton. He was a British explorer, traveled around the world, and he found himself in Bergen in Norway and wanted to get back to London. But having been, you know, all over the place and explored limited resources, he only had enough for a ship's ticket to get back to London. And uh, while he was on the ship, he decided, okay, it's going to take two days. In those days, two days to get to London on a ship. Can you believe it? From Norway. Um, and and, and he, he said, this is what I'll do. I'll fast because I've got to get back to London. Well, by the second day, he was starving. So he went to a guy who was sitting and he said, please, when you go in the dining room, can you please get me some bread? So the guy said, well, why don't you go and get it yourself? So he said, well, I've only got a ticket. Uh, I don't have food. So he said, no, your ticket includes food. Now listen to what Eric Shipton says. He said, I did not expect to get that much for the price of the ticket. What is it that we don't expect to get for the price that Jesus paid that we shortchange ourselves? No, included in it is rich blessing, property, money that we can use and give. And if it offends you, well, then stay in poverty because it's a curse. But God wants you to live in his blessing. You say, I've been through COVID. I've lost my business. I've lost loved ones. Don't let that define you. Live in the blessing of God and know that he loves you and wants to do you good. Number two, the second thing we must do if we want to live in the blessing of God is speak the same things God has spoken about our lives. You know, we tend to speak the bad things and talk about how bad we are and how bad the times are. But we've got to speak well because blessing, the definition of it is to speak well over. And we must speak what God says about our lives. This verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 infers this. God has saved us and we need to speak salvation over our lives. But I think it encompasses more. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13, it says, Since we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote... I believed, and so I speak. We too believe, and so we speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. God has spoken good things over us. We must speak the same things over our lives, not contrary. Don't speak the circumstances over your life. Speak God's blessing over your life. And I find I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I speak the, the circumstances instead of declaring what God says over my life. And God wants to bless us, and we must agree with that. And, uh, you know, when Jesus came, he blessed children, laid his hands on them, and he imparted something to them. But guess what? He spoke something over those children. I don't think it was just a little nicety. I think those parents really believed that what he said as he touched those children would come to pass. Now, what God has said in his word, we must believe will come to pass, and we must speak the same thing. God has said that, God has said that, and I'm going to say that. I'm not going to speak contrary. Are you with me? 
And you know, this principle of speaking what God speaks comes from the Old Testament. Remember the Lord told the priests in Numbers that you must speak to the people? I mean, what good is it if, people, if priests are speaking blessing? I bless you. It's like, give me money. I need money. Don't speak. But the speaking was the precursor to the reality. I want you to notice this very important principle. And we don't apply this as Christians because sometimes I think we think it's weird. Number six, and, uh, and some of you will remember this, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. Pastor Bill McClough's sisters were that on Friday night. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Watch this. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Can you see? They first had to say it, then God would do it. We need to speak the blessing over our lives. Then God will do it. Don't speak the circumstances. Speak the blessing. You know, the Jewish families, every night when they put their children to bed until they are 13, they recite this blessing over their lives. They say that by the time the child gets to 13, they would have been blessed 4,745 times. Want to know why Jewish people are blessed? It's because the parents have already spoken it. From the time you're a child, you're blessed. You're one of Abraham's children. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, and you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. And as you go to bed tonight, I bless you. They speak it, then God does it. Are you speaking something different to what God wants to do? Or are you lining up with what God said? Speak the same as God. Number three, how to live in the blessing of God. This is what we need to know. It's not dependent on the economy, circumstances, or feelings. Don't let the blessing of God be determined by what you see around you. The economy doesn't determine the blessing of God. We built a children's church fully equipped during one of the worst recessions in 2008, I think it was, and uh, the Lord blessed the church despite that. We had determined we would build the building and we would trust God to finish it later, and it was a real big thing of faith, but we kept believing for God's blessing. In the end, it was built. It was built exceptionally. It's one of the best buildings we have on site, and it was equipped fully for our children. And so it's not dependent on the economy, circumstances, or feelings. You don't have to feel blessed. You just need to believe for blessing. Isn't that true? Because it's based on God's character, not on our performance. And you'll remember when God blessed Abraham in Genesis 12, we just read it. He blessed him, but then Abraham began to feel that it was taking long. The circumstances were against him. It looked like his own body, if you like, the economy, there wasn't enough there. And so he began to doubt. And I want you to notice how he speaks to God and what God does, because this is a picture of the New Testament, yeah, in a shadow form in the Old Testament, of how God expects us to understand blessing. Genesis 15. Are you all with me? And it says, but Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? In other words, I'm doubting you, Lord. doesn't look like it's going to happen. I know you said it. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon, all sacrifices. Abraham brought these to him and he cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. Blood sacrifice. The birds, uh, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, 
but Abraham drove them away. Can, can I just pause there? You've got to be careful that when you think about the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus, that the birds of the air, like in the parable of the sower, don't steal it away from your mind. Because that blood sacrifice is powerful. Abraham had to drive the birds away lest they destroy that which God was doing. It says, as the sun was setting, notice this, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Now, this is interesting. He's in a deep sleep and darkness comes in, but he can still hear God. Isn't that amazing? Then the Lord said to him, well, he's sleeping. No, he's not. God's immobilized him to show him that it's not your performance that brings blessing. It's the blood sacrifice and it's me that brings blessing. Chill out, Abraham. Trust me. And it goes on to say here, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back, for the sin of the Amorites has not reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot, that's like judgment, and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. See, God put him to sleep to show that he can't actually do anything. That covenant is not dependent on works, it's just dependent on believing. And it doesn't matter about circumstances, it doesn't matter about feelings, it doesn't matter about opposition, it doesn't matter if you've been enslaved, it doesn't matter if the economy is holding you prisoner, it doesn't mean if you're in bondage, it means God's blessing has been spoken and it's going to happen. And we need to walk in that blessing, believing it, because it's not dependent on the economy, not dependent on circumstances or our feelings. You know, what we really have to do is, it's like blessing is like an umbrella. And we mustn't step out from under it and stand in the rain and declare, it's all fine and well for you blessed people to be talking about blessing, but look how it's raining on me. We need to come under the umbrella and believe what God has said. Pastor Ed Young put it like this. He says, we need to get under those things God has put over us so we can get over those things God has put under us. Let me repeat that. We need to get under those things God has put over us, blessing, so we can get over those things God has put under us, like poverty, weakness, habits, and sins. They're under our feet, so we must get under the blessing. Number four, is this helping anyone today? This is very important, and I don't want you to miss this, and we'll look at a verse in a moment. Believe and fully absorb God's promises into our lives. See, people believe, but they don't fully absorb God's promises into their lives. Henry Jacobson, the Christian author, said this. He said, try claiming God's blessings instead of merely longing for them. You know, when you really absorb God's word and you really believe it, you claim. But when you haven't absorbed it, you're like, would be nice. You long instead of claim. Now, let me explain to you like this, because the Bible's quite clear about this. When rain rains on ground, it sometimes stays on the surface. And sometimes when it's a lot of rain and the ground is porous, it gets absorbed into the ground. Isn't that true? And that's why farmers, they need that, what they call, they need rain that, that is absorbed, otherwise the crops don't survive. 
And God's word is spoken of as rain. How many of you heard that? It's spoken of as rain. Now, notice what it says here. The rain mustn't just be on us. It needs to soak into us. That's why we must fully absorb. Hebrews chapter 6. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is formed, receives what? The blessing of God. Let me read it again. Land that drinks in, absorbs the rain, often falling on it, produces a crop useful to those for whom it is formed, receives the blessing of God. Now, he contrasts it. He says, but land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. You know what he's saying? If you don't absorb the promises of God into the depths of your lives, nothing will be produced. In the end, you'll be dry and parched. Even though it's falling, it's not going in. And we have to make up our minds. I'm going to take this into my life. I'm not just going to let this be around my life or sprinkled on my life. I'm going to absorb this truth into my head and then not just into my head, but into my heart so that I can believe. I'm not going to have a surface belief. It's going to seep right in. And you know the problem with us when we read the Bible is, yeah, it sounds wonderful, but you know, God knows what a bad person I am. And I'd love to have the blessing, but I know you can't bless me because stop reading the Bible as though it's a policeman giving you a lecture. Read it as a loving father who wants to bless you. And we read the Bible as, amen, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do, yes, I'm guilty, convicted, yes, I deserve to be fined. I know God blesses somebody, can't bless me. No, he's not a policeman. He's a loving father. And he wants to bless our lives. He has saved us and he wants to bless us. You know, when we read this passage in the New Testament, um, for many, especially the leaders in the room today, we can read it in, only in the context of, of giving, but actually it talks about the character of who God is, and that's why we, we, we need to absorb every time we read a promise, we need to absorb it and be careful we don't keep it in one context because it, it speaks of the character of God. I, I read 2 Corinthians 9, how many in the room know 2 Corinthians 9? Most of you have used it for offering uh, to encourage us, but it says this, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Now, it's saying, you know, you're giving, but it's talking about the nature of God. He's able to bless you, how? Abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Sounds abundant to me. Problem is, do we believe it? Have we absorbed it? Or does it just sprinkle on the surface? Or do we think, oh, it's only when I give an offering that I get blessed? No. Sometimes you sow and you don't see anything. But the overall plan of God is blessing, blessing. And he's able to bless you because that's the nature of God. You know what? God's blessing is not the problem. It's our minds that are the problem. Sunday Adelard just said this. He said, the only thing that's limiting the blessings of God is our old way of thinking. We must absorb it and bring it into ours. Number five. I've got five minutes and number five, this is important, and this is good for everyone today who's been through hardship. How to live in the blessing of God? Expect the double portion after loss or setbacks. If 
you lost your business, you lost your job, you've lost your marriage, you've lost your health, expect a double portion. Elisha believed for the double portion, and he got it. Job went through hardship, but he trusted God, and the double portion came into his life. And you know the Bible says in the Old Testament, if a thief steals something from someone, he has to pay back double. If COVID has stolen from you, expect the double portion, because that's the law. That which is stolen from you must be paid back double. We need to believe for that. Even our church, I'm believing that when we open eventually, we'll be fuller than we've ever been, stronger than we've ever been. We might have to have more services because we've got to spread people out and the building might not look full, but I'm believing for the double portion. Why? Because God is a God of blessing and we must expect after hardship, a double blessing. Notice here the exiles of Israel. Quickly read with me who had been in loss and in exile. The Lord promises in Isaiah 61, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God, and you shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion they shall have everlasting joy. If you don't believe that, Zechariah speaks as well of the double portion for the exiles, similar time frame. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. You've got to believe that God is a God of recovery. And recovery isn't just, you know, well, I, I'm alive and I've got a few pennies. No, we need to bounce back stronger than before and we can easily I know it happens to us we can easily get into survival mode well at least we're here at least we're alive at least the building at least we've been able to pay and we've still got our staff no I'm expecting a double portion because the God of blessing says that if you've been robbed then a double portion is yours and there's always a promise after people have been robbed after God's people have been robbed that they can bounce back you know the wonder of money and possessions is if you lose them you can always get them again and God is standing ready to give them, by the way. He's not saying, well, <laughs> you messed up. Eh? You were a complete idiot and you lost it. Well, yeah, no, don't blame me. No, the Bible implies that we can bounce back. Now, I'm not done. I'm nearly done. I must share this with you. Leviticus 25. Notice what it says about restoration. I love this. If any one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property, could happen during COVID, their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. If, however, there's no one to redeem it for them, watch this, but later on they prosper and acquire sufficient means to redeem it themselves, they are to determine the value for the years since they sold it and refund the balance to the one to whom they sold it. They can then go back to their own property. I love what the good news says of verse 26. Anyone who has no relative to buy it back may later become prosperous and have enough to buy it back. Listen, you can have a setback, but the Bible here clearly says that you can have a comeback and that if you lose money, prosperity is just waiting around the corner. Blessing is just there waiting and you need to believe for it because God intends for you to flow in blessing, not to live in poverty. Poverty is not a permanent state, blessing is. And so we need to trust God 
And we need to expect a double portion, even if we've had severe loss. And we need to go into our prayer closet and say, Lord, let this soak into me. And we need to believe God for his blessing on our lives and trust him that it's going to be possible. I don't know how you pray, but you need to start praying for blessing. You need to start speaking it over your life. You need to say, Lord, soak it into me. Help me to believe that you're good. Help me to believe that you've got the best in mind. And, and, you know, and as you begin to pray, and as you begin to speak what God says, you begin to open the door for blessing. You know, I read about prayer, and I thought this was a good analogy. Pastor Chase has been preaching on prayer lately, and it's been really good. It's so good to keep focused on prayer. And a little boy was, uh, was, was describing a lift. And they asked him, do you, you know, what do you think a lift does? And he said this. He said, I get in, the doors close, and upstairs comes down. I believe prayers like that. You get into your closet, you close the door, and you don't go into heaven, you get upstairs to come down. And I believe in COVID, we need upstairs to come down. We need to go into that place of prayer, speak what God speaks, believe what he says, let it soak into our lives, expect the double portion, pray it and believe it over our family, even if people have died, if they've been business losses, begin to expect upstairs to come down because God's desire is to bless you. You know, before I pray with you today, I want to just tell you a brief story. It's so, such a wonderful, simple little story. But it's about a man who worked for NBC. He's passed away now. His name is Tim Russett. And um, he was a journalist with NBC. In 2008, he was considered to be one of Time's 100 most influential uh, people in the world, as he was the Washington bureau chief of NBC. He was from an Irish Catholic family. And uh, he was about to meet with Pope Paul II, Pope John Paul II, and uh, he was going to have him on the Today Show. And so very, very important meeting if you're going to meet with a pope. Anyway, when he went into the meeting with, his pope, with the pope, sorry, he, his attention turned away from ratings, they say, to salvation. And as he sat there in front of the pope, you know what his first words were? He said to the pope, bless me, Father. Bless me, Father. He blurted it out. And you know what? When it actually comes to it, we need God's blessing. And guess what? God's blessing is more important than a man's blessing. But you know what he realized? He didn't know this, but two days later he would die. And you know what he realized? I need God's blessing. In fact, you know, we need God's blessing on us for salvation before we need God's blessing on us for material. Because if you've got all the material blessings, but you're not on your way to heaven, you've missed out on what God intends. And today you might be watching. And you, you know, you, you might say, yes, bless me, Lord. Well, do you want him to bless you with salvation first? Because you need to pray that blessing over your life. And when you believe that Jesus died on the cross, then that blessing becomes yours. Blessing is not automatic. Salvation blessing is not automatic. It comes when you believe God and you declare it over your life. And today God wants to bless you with the blessing of salvation. And he wants you to understand that he wants to bless your life so that he can use you in the earth to be a blessing. Maybe you've never prayed the prayer of blessing. I want to pray with you today so that you can invite Jesus into your life and you can receive, like Abraham, the blessing of salvation, not through your works, but through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Maybe you want to pray with me today and we'll pray together and in the room we'll pray with you 
and lead you in prayer. Come, let's pray this short prayer like this. Thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ who died for my sins that I might be forgiven. I believe in Him today and receive His salvation for my sins. And I make you Lord of my life to follow you, to trust you, and to serve you, and to receive eternal life. Thank you, Father, for your Son. Amen. Well, you prayed a prayer, and you made the blessing of salvation yours by that prayer. Now, there's a journey ahead. You need to walk with God. You can click on our website, and it'll take you along on that journey. There's a booklet that opens up, helps you to walk with God. And we'd love you to do that. We'd love to hear from you. God wants to bless you with salvation. Then he wants to bless your life. And don't believe that the universe wants to bless you because the universe is against you. We live under the fall. The environment is in chaos. Man thinks by saving the environment, he can save himself. We first need salvation. And then we need God's blessing. And God is the blesser, not the universe. And let's put our hope in him, not in ethereal and weird things or in his creation but in the person of Jesus. If you're a Christian today, I want to leave you with this. Walk in the blessing of God by believing it, absorbing it, embracing it, speaking it, and expect double if you've suffered loss. God is the God of restoration, and he expects us to bounce back after we've lost property or even family members. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to close by blessing you. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you favor and give you peace. And as I speak, this blessing may become a reality in your life sooner than you imagine in a double portion in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 